0: Hi, I'm Lauren Hansen, and you're listening to This Week I Learned, your audio guide to the most surprising discoveries and fascinating studies of the week. Did you know the Moon is spinning further and further away from us? Today, the Moon is 18 times further away from us than when it was formed 4.5 billion years ago. It's actually moving at a rate of about 1.4 inches per year which is about the same speed at which your fingernails grow. So the reason for this is a brief lesson in physics. Newton's third law of motion states, for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. With that in mind, the Earth and Moon are locked in this tight gravitational embrace. But they don't spin at the same speed. The Earth moves ever so slightly, but increasingly slower. And that's due to this friction between the Earth's surface and the vast body of water above it. And because of Newton's law, as the Earth slows down, the moon is forced to speed up. And if you've ever been on one of those spinny things on the playground, you know where you go faster and faster and faster, you will have felt firsthand how increased speeds force you outward. So what does this mean for us? Good news is nothing in the short term. That 1.5 inches per year of distance between us and the moon is too little to notice over the course of one full lifetime. But over much longer periods of time, many things can happen. The Earth's days will get longer. By comparison, in the Earth's early years, the days were just 5 hours long. Over the course of our 4.5 billion years, the days have slowed down to 24 hours. And this will only continue according to the bbc our days are getting longer by two milliseconds every century other super long-term repercussions include more extreme seasons weaker tides and no more total solar eclipses as one day the moon will actually be too small to block out the sun For some people, the daily commute to work is a thing of the past. Our digital age is increasingly changing how the 9 to 5 looks, which can be a little scary for workers and employers alike. But I have some good news on that front. Working remotely may be good for business. A new study that surveyed thousands of workers found that remote workers are happier, feel more valued, and overwhelmingly feel they're more productive. Another study actually found the same thing. Remote workers took less breaks and less sick days and were more productive by the minute. There was one area in the study where remote workers lost out, and it was perhaps obviously in their relationship with their co-workers. And there was a definitive difference in happiness if remote workers chose to work outside the office or if their job forced them to. Happiness it seems comes with the ability to choose. This week, I learned that the air in movie theaters carries the chemical imprint of our emotions, and it might be having an effect on how you view the film. So for example, a horror film will leave a different mark than a romance movie or a comedy. A pair of dedicated researchers in Germany collected air samples from two massive movie theaters over a two-week period and then tested those samples for various chemicals, looking for patterns between the mix in the air and the content of a given scene in a movie. Just to back up a little, you see, we humans are constantly emitting chemicals into the air by breath and through the skin. If a group of us are enclosed in a room, like a movie theater, for an extended period of time, those chemicals accumulate. But interestingly, researchers found in this study that the airborne chemicals vary distinctively from film to film, and that they didn't always increase in a steady line. Take for example the screenings of the movie The Hunger Games 2 Catching Fire. This is the 75th year of The Hunger Games. Levels of carbon dioxide and isoprene spiked during two super tense moments in the movie. We have to go, Gail, before they kill us. They will kill us. The carbon dioxide probably points to the audience breathing faster and therefore exhaling more gas. And isoprene is released during muscle movement, which suggests that moviegoers were getting a little bit more fidgety as the action amped up. The researchers identified more than 100 different chemicals across dozens of scenes in different movies, and they found the most distinct link between chemicals measured and the type of scene were in suspense and comedy. Now, researchers theorized that the chemicals emitted actually affect the movie experience, because we humans actually have exceptionally developed sense of smell and can smell the chemicals. Now, the extent to which airborne chemicals can be communicated between humans by smell or any other sense is actually hotly debated, but these scientists did point to examples of its existence, like the way a sleeping baby responds to a lactating mother. So if these scientists are onto something, and this is proof of a chemically communicable connection, then when you go to a movie theater, you're not only taking in the smell of stale popcorn, but also the stench of fear, laughter, or sorrow of the people around you, which is probably affecting your own perception of the film. And finally, this week I learned that beards have a history of being taxable. You see, there's a man in the UK who made news recently by proposing that Britain could close the gap of its national budget by taxing beards. This Brit actually cites Henry VIII as precedent, but experts note that there isn't actually evidence that the 16th century monarch imposed such a fee for facial hair. But about a century later, Russia's Peter the Great did. The Russian Tsar is credited with modernizing Russia. You see, as a young man, he traveled the world to see what everyone else was up to, and when he returned home, he implemented these huge reforms. He instituted a well-trained standing army, a state-of-the-art navy, and founded the major metropolitan of St. Petersburg. But one of Peter's pet reforms was actually the style of people. His travels taught him that beards were out, and freshly-shaven faces were in. So, during his homecoming celebration, Peter reportedly pulled out a massive barber's razor and shaved the beards of his aides and diplomats right there at the party. Under Peter's rule, all of his subjects were ordered to lose their facial hair, with the exception of clergy and peasants. Police were actually instructed to shave scrubby offenders on the spot. Eventually, Peter loosened up a little, and imposed an annual beard tax. It was on a sliding scale, so how much you had to pay depended on how rich or poor you were. But once you did pay up, you'd receive a small copper coin that read tax paid. The Russian war on facial hair lasted for nearly a decade. The tax was actually so successful that it remained in place 47 years after the Tsar's death. does it for this episode of This Week I Learned. For more, go to theweek.com slash audio. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcasts and give us a rating or a review on iTunes. I'm Lauren Hansen and thank you so much for listening.